Packers game day continues. In that situation, again, you know, the, the great teams uh, can finish off opponents in that situation. With Packers OT, presented by Pillow Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. As long as we take it one game at a time, don't let nothing get ahead of us. Uh, you know, stuff like that. It's going gonna, it's gonna to handle itself. Now. Hear from the fans, the players, and get updates from around the league. They can't just limit us. They can't say, hey, it's two running backs in there. They All they're going to do is run the ball. You never know what we're going to do now. So I feel like it's just giving us more and more weapons. With your host, Greg Metzik, on the Packers Radio Network. Well, it wasn't easy for whatever reason it never seems to be, but overall a very good day for the Green Bay Packers, improving to 10-3, and moving in to the top seed of the NFC and locking down the NFC North with a 31-24 win over the Detroit Lions. Welcome to Packers OT, presented by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Through December 31st, get no money down, no interest, and no payments for 12 months, plus $500 off qualifying orders at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. For details, visit PellaWI.com. I'm Greg Matzik, joined by... The legend, John Kuhn, former Packers fullback, recapping a 31-24 win. would love to do it with you. We'll take your calls till 9 o'clock at 855-616-1620. John, we'll get into the, uh, the, the breakdown of today's game. A lot of interesting twists and turns. Really a good day for the offense on both sides of the field. Special teams reared its ugly head, but also some impressive components to the special teams today. Uh, but all in all... It's going to be a nice but short flight home from Detroit. The Packers accomplishing a couple of goals today. Yeah, doing exactly what they needed to do going into Ford Field. Not an easy place to play Packers, just 5-5 five and five there over the last 10 years, going back to 2010 season. And really just playing an all-around good game. You don't like that kickoff return when you have the game pretty salted away. That kickoff return leads to three points, which leads to a little bit more nail-biting. But I like this. They, they did exactly what they needed to do. We call this a hack game. They now officially have some garb, some swag from the season. They can claim themselves NFC North champs, wear the hats and the T-shirts home, feel good about themselves, and start setting their sights for bigger and better things. Oh, and by the way, now they're number one in the NFC, or at least that's their position in the playoff. Right yeah, now. a number of unsung heroes in today's game. You can look at the stat line and see Aaron Rodgers threw for 290 yards again and three touchdowns. Another MVP-type performance. He's been incredible. I was very impressed with the stat line from MVS, John, and so much so I think it belongs in our first segment. You know, we're so used to seeing four catches and 130 yards or two catches and 80 yards because of his ability to go deep. I love six catches for 85 yards and a touchdown because it tells me he's in sync with Aaron Rodgers in that 8 to 15 yard zone, which is so critical. You know what it tells me? It tells me that Aaron Rodgers has not wavered in his confidence in this young man. And that, to me, is the most important part. Because when a quarterback starts to think, this guy's going to catch the ball, this guy may not, he's going to lean to throwing the ball the other way. And today, the way that they shadowed Devontae Adams, they clearly said, this is the guy we want to remove from the football game being the Detroit Lions. If you beat us, you beat us. But it's not going to be this guy well, Devontae still got his. But with that said, Aaron Rodgers looked around, said, who can I throw the ball to? And did not question whether he was worried about 
um, MVS dropping the ball or not. He was throwing it to him because that's what the play was designed to do, and MVS came up with some pretty big catches. Tough back shoulder throw for the touchdown on the first one. You know, defensively, John, I thought it was an interesting game. It was really all about the aerial assault in that first half. Long drives for both teams. A couple of hiccups that stalled drives, but uh, it seemed like defensively when the Packers needed something, they got it. There was a collection of sacks to stall a drive for Detroit in that first half. And then when it looked like Detroit was inching closer to field goal position, all of a sudden it was uh, you know third and 20, right, I just because of the sacks again. And then you mentioned it after that long kickoff return, limiting the Lions to three. Uh, there was a little self-sabotage in there with the Lions penalty. But nonetheless, I, it just it's stiff when they had to be, uh, I guess, at times today. Yeah, and sometimes it comes down to playing hard. Like uh, Chase Daniels rolling out of the pocket, scoring a touchdown. It gets called back. Why? Because Zadarius Smith is giving all the effort that he can and draws a holding call. That's what it takes. And these games, they're not easy. The NFL is not easy. The Packers are slowly inching up the rankings in the NFL on defense. They're just on the cusp of just outside the top 10. If they put a couple good, real uh, another real good performance back-to-back here. Carolina coming up on Saturday. They could start inching their way even into the top 10. This defense coming along at the right time of the year, just like they did last year in 2019. 855-616-1620. If you'd like to join us on the program, we'll take your calls until 9 o'clock tonight. Uh, let's grab a phone call here before we get to an instant replay update. Welcome to the program. It's Jack from Chicago. Hello, Jack. Hey, Greg, thanks for taking the call. Appreciate it. Uh, congrats, everybody, on the NFC North back-to-back division title championship. Um, I think it was Dennis in pregame. He mentioned something. He said, uh, turn on NFL red zone. Look at just the change of quarterbacks. And he brought up how lucky we are, how fortunate we are to have Brett and then Aaron. Well, I want to give some love to Mason Crosby tonight. I think for the past, what, 14 seasons? I can't, I can't imagine any other kicker I would rather have and Mason Crosby. You look at the Bears releasing Robbie Gold, all the turmoil that they've had with uh, Parkey. Mason Crosby has been so incredible year in, year out. And then tonight, to tie his career-long field goal in the same place where he missed five kicks in Detroit, unbelievable. I just want to give some love to Mason Crosby. First off, he's terrific. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, no doubt about it, Jack. Appreciate the phone call. And, you know, John, you were on the team during what I would say is is maybe the only questionable year Mason Crosby has ever had. And, and credit Ted Thompson for sticking with a kicker who had a down year, knowing that his ceiling was so much higher than that particular season. And all he's done since that particular down year is just destroy the uprights, right? Just he's been so automatic. I, I thought it was interesting, Matt LaFleur telling Larry McCarron after the game, once that false start penalty affected the distance of the kick, it, it pushed it back to a 57-58 yarder. He was thinking about punting the football, but then he connected with Mason, and Mason said, I got this, and he just hammered it through. That's a great sign of trust right there. Yeah, and I'm surprised that Matt would say that because Mason goes out in pregame every game. I watch him frequently go out there, and he knows exactly where he's good at and where he kicks from, and he kicks at every stadium on every field from 58 yards pregame to know how he does from that distance. This is a place at Ford Field. you got optimal field conditions, so obviously he felt – pretty good in that spot. Let's talk about Mason, though. We were talking about a guy in his 14th year 
in the NFL. And boy, all he has done has been a consistent kicker. You mentioned about that one season where he kicked 67% in field goal percentage. Well, this is a guy who's got uh, better with age. He's like a nice fine wine, right? He's averaged 82% for his career, but last year he set a PR at 93%, and this year he hasn't missed a single field goal. So this is a guy, yes, credit Ted Thompson for sticking with him, but this is a guy who had one blip on the radar, but everything else has been dead straight, dead accurate for the majority of his career, and it's awesome to see him setting records over and over and over as the kicker for the Green Bay Packers. Well, he also made a pretty key tackle, John, or this game could have been even a little more interesting than it was down the stretch. How about it? And and that's the thing about Mason. He's not afraid to get a little dirty. You see sometimes, and we won't name names, but you see sometimes that kickers <laughs> and punters struggle a little bit with the guy in the open field. Not Mason Crosby. I've seen him do it a thousand times. and uh, Well, maybe not quite a thousand, but he's done it quite a bit where he's been the last line of defense and your job is to grab and hang on. And more times than not, Mason gets him down himself. Yeah, perhaps we, uh, J.K. Scott was taking some notes because it was an effective tackle after an incredible kick that helped salt away the game. 31-20 for the final. We are just getting started here on Packers OT. 855-616-1620 if you would like to join us. We would love to hear from you on the program. Time to step aside for an instant replay update. What a day here. Week 14 of the NFL season. Let's begin in Philadelphia, shall we? Rookie Jalen Hurts making his first career start against the top seed in the NFC, the New Orleans Saints. Time to show your stuff, Rook. They're going empty. There's Hurts. He's back. He is floating the football. It is caught. Touchdown. Touchdown. He gets it over to Alshon Jeffrey. Jalen Hurts to Alshon Jeffrey with the score. Merrill Reese, Mike Quick, Howard Eskin with the call on Sports Radio 94 WIP. 167 yards passing for Hurts, 106 yards rushing in a 24-21 win. This is a big deal. The Packers move into first place in the NFC playoff standings with three games to play. New Orleans' nine-game winning streak is snapped. They still have Kansas City on their schedule. Green Bay's toughest matchup, at least on paper anyway, will be against the Tennessee Titans December 27th at Lambeau. Entering the day, the only team in the NFC North with a shot at even catching the Packers, the Vikings, Credit the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for extinguishing their NFC North Division title flames. First down and goal from the one hand on Rojo over the top. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Like a rocket shot. Fire the cannons. That was with authority, with eye formation to get that run look, but Ronald Jones was not going to be denied. Gene Deckerhoff, Dave Moore with a call on the Buccaneers radio network. 26-14 the final. Tampa Bay improves to 8-5. and five. The Vikings fall to 6-7. and seven. Hey, don't look now. The longest winning streak in the NFC North belongs to the Washington football team. Empty backfield for Mullins. Takes the snap of the gun. Fakes left. Now has to cut through. Ball is out. A fumble. Picked up by Chase Young. He's running at the 45-40. Has blockers in front of him. 25-20-15-10-5. Touchdown, Chase Young. Touchdown, Washington. Defense fuels a 23-15 win over the 49ers. Bram Weinstein, D'Angelo Hall with the call on the team. 980, the Washington Football Network. Washington leads the NFC East with a record of 6-7. and seven. Elsewhere around the lead, the Bears clobber the Houston Texans 36-7 the final. Nice day for Mitch Trubisky, 267 yards and three touchdowns on the afternoon. The Dallas Cowboys pick up a win rather easily, 30-7 the final over the Cincinnati Bengals. 
entertaining game in Miami. The Chiefs hold on for a 33-27 win over the Miami Dolphins. Kansas City now 12-1 on the season. 393 yards passing for Patrick Mahomes. Two touchdowns. He also had three interceptions on the afternoon. Cardinals topped the Giants 26-7 in East Rutherford, New Jersey. It was the Broncos over the Packers' next opponent, the Carolina Panthers. 32-27 the final. Four touchdown passes for Drew Locke. Mentioned the Packers will see Tennessee later this month. The Titans pick up an easy win over the Jaguars, who have now lost 12 in a row. 31-10 the final in Jacksonville. Great day for Jonathan Taylor. 20 carries, 150 yards on the ground, and two touchdowns. Colts over the Raiders by a score of 44-27. The Seahawks on the Packers' heels in the NFC, 40-3. They beat up on the New York Jets. Chargers outlast the Falcons 20-17 in a game that was decided in the final seconds. Sunday night football should be a good one in Buffalo with the Bills taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Your Monday night matchup features the Ravens and Browns. Packers football and Packers radio is presented by American Family Insurance. This is the Packers radio network. Shotgun throws right side back shoulder. Oh, Devontae's got it. Slips by one man. Cuts left to the 30, to the 20. He's gonna go all the way. Touchdown, Green Bay. 56 yards. A brisk three-play, 75-yard drive, taking a minute 24 off the clock, resulting in Devontae Adams' 14th touchdown of the season. 115 yards on the day for Adams. Eighth straight game with a receiving touchdown. That is a new Packers record, eclipsing a near 80-year-old mark set by Don Hudson way back when. Chevrolet, proud to be the best-selling brand in Wisconsin and the official vehicle of the Green Bay Packers. Trust Chevy on your team. Visit your local Chevy dealer today. Greg Matzik and John Kuhn with you on Packers OT, presented by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin, 855-616-1620, if you'd like to join us on the show. Let's go out to Oregon, Portland, Oregon. John joins us on Packers OT. Hello, John. Hey, guys. I just wanted to uh, shout out for the Packers victory. Wonderful game. Um, I really think a couple of things here. One, Lazard only had a couple of receptions for 19 yards, but... You know what? Having him back in the lineup and his big stature really opens it up for Adams and Valdez Scantling. And then the other thing I want to touch on real quickly was the I think one of the biggest challenges heading into these next few weeks is really going to be controlling Henry with the Titans after seeing what he did today. Uh, yeah, Derrick Henry and December seem to go well together. We can get into that game a, a little bit more, John. Probably the Packers' toughest matchup uh, on the schedule the remaining portion of the regular season but you know balance in the receiving core in Robert Tunyon getting involved we mentioned Adams eight straight games with a touchdown well here's Tunyon with four straight games and and he's kind of a game wrecker right you you focus so much on Adams and Aaron Jones and Tunyon always seems to be in space at some point in time nationally we need to start putting some respect on Bobby Tunyon because this guy just gets the job done. He doesn't look like Travis Kelsey running with the football. He doesn't look like Rob Gronkowski, you know, catching when he catches a deep ball in traffic. But the guy just does exactly what he's coached to do, and he's very, very efficient. I really like him. I think he's become a bona fide target for Aaron Rodgers and for that tight end position to now be a weapon 
on the Green Bay Packers. It's a tremendous feeling and one that I'm very happy that we finally have. Yeah, so this is nine touchdowns now. So th- this is not an accident, mind you, oh, right? I mean, no, like, not like, an the, accident at all. Like, like this is tied for with Travis Kelsey for more touchdowns than any tight end in football. Uh, and he's also getting it done as a blocker. I think he's improved in that element. But, I, John, this is... This is something that I'm, I'm glad we're here talking about it. I, I do wonder what Robert Tunyon's role would have been if Josiah DeGuara didn't get injured in that first game of the season because it wasn't until week two against the Lions that Tunyon caught his first pass and first touchdown, and look what he's blossomed into. Yeah. He has certainly taken advantage of the opportunity. I'll be honest, we saw a little bit out of him at the beginning of last season before he hurt his hip down there in Dallas. And I was really excited about Robert coming into this season. I really was. And I don't think the role would have changed much at all. I think they would have passed a lot more out of 12 personnel, which is their personnel with two uh, two tight ends, two wide receivers, and a, and a running back. I think they would have done a lot more of that. They're doing less of that because as they do it now, you know, Mercedes is a true Y tight end. He's a true blocking tight end when Tanyan can, uh, he, he can do pretty much anything. He's a jack-of-all-trades. He can be a wing. He can be a Y. He can be a flexed Y, which is more of a receiver type. And DeGuar was kind of like that as well. So I, I saw it being more of that type of versatile offense if the two of them were on the field at the same time. But when you talk about it, Robert Tunyon isn't the first target for Aaron Rodgers, and he might not be the second target for Aaron Rodgers, but he is a game plan specific target on third downs and in the red zone. He is a weapon for the Green Bay Packers that plays tight end, and it's very good to have that now. Most tight ends around the league that get a lot of talk, they're one or two on on the target list for their quarterbacks. They're the guy that the quarterback feels really good going to on every given play. Robert Tanyan has not been that primarily, but he is very good at the role that he has etched for himself, and you see it right there with nine touchdowns on the year. Five catches, 36 yards, and a touchdown for Tanyan today. We mentioned MVS, six catches for 85 yards and a touchdown. Adams, seven receptions, buck 15 and a touchdown, and uh, eight total players receiving passes from Aaron Rodgers, who had another brilliant day in a 31-24 win over the Lions. 855-616-1620 if you'd like to join us. We'll keep going on the other side. Packers Radio is presented by American Family Insurance. This is the Packers Radio Network. Two tight ends left side of the line. Rodgers takes the shotgun snap, looking right. Throws right side, back shoulder, got his man. And a great catch by MVS. Oh, my goodness. They beat Amani Oruwarie at the pylon of the right side of the end zone. Just a beautiful catch by Marquez Valdez-Scantling. This season, Sargento donates $2,000 for every touchdown to fight hunger through Touchdowns for Hunger. Benefiting Milwaukee's Hunger Task Force and Paul's Pantry in Green Bay, that means today a donation of $8,000 will be made to Touchdowns for Hunger to fight hunger in Wisconsin. Sargento will continue to donate $2,000 per touchdown to Touchdowns for Hunger throughout the regular season and postseason. Sargento, the official cheese of the Green Bay Packers. I like cheese, so does John Kuhn. He joins me on Packers OT, presented by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. 855-616-1620 if you'd like to join us. Recapping Green Bay's 31-24 win over the Lions. Let's go to John in Illinois. Thanks for holding, John. You're on Packers OT. Well, thank you. Uh, This was Shades of Seattle, I was afraid. Uh, uh, I was looking at these, uh, I think it was Bostic, not Bostic, excuse me, uh, Tanyan uh, uh, 
contorting himself, uh, trying to not be touched by the ball, when all you have to do, you know, once you touch it as a receiver, it's a live ball. But if it should go out of bounds before it's recovered, it's the receiving team's ball. Slap the ball out of bounds. They were, it was, and I mean, it was just inches where uh, Killebrew's, uh, uh, you know, uh, seconds or, or milliseconds or inches uh, where he could have recovered that ball. And I'm afraid that sometimes people just don't know the rules, uh, as what was the case with Atlanta when uh, the Hurst let the ball just roll right by him and uh, let uh, uh, the uh, outside kicking team recover. But uh, I mean, there, there's we got a good team, but uh, in the McCarty years, the special teams would cost us one to two games a year. I, I would say the Indianapolis game was uh, lost because of special teams, uh, but this is two weeks in a row with just two terrible gaffes by uh, by the special teams, and you know, they keep saying, well, we're going to clean it up. I, I, please do. So. Yeah, and John, thanks for the phone call. I, John, as someone who has been a part of the hands team and on you know kick coverage and whatnot, I, I know that the heart sort of, if you're watching, just it, it kind of skips a beat. I, as I watch that, I, I, how hard is it in real time to decipher where that ball is? Because it ended up the ball didn't even go far enough to be a legal onside kick, so it was a penalty, and the Packers took over. But what is going on real time as you're watching that ball inch toward that 40-yard line? I think it's harder now to play the onside kick than it's ever been. It, it really is. And I don't know. I don't think it favors the kicking team any more than the old onside kick. I know the purpose is to make the game safer, and that's you know the goal that they set out to do when they changed these rules. But I couldn't imagine trying to cover these onside kicks right now. They're, it's almost as if if you know you can jump on it and stop it from, from spinning, then, then you have to do that because I, the coaching on this has been so up and down throughout the year. We didn't see this until the Dallas-Atlanta game, and now you're seeing just about every team going to it because nobody really has a clear-cut answer on on how to make it easily recoverable. Uh, It's weird. It's really weird. I don't blame Tanya for not hitting it out. I I don't blame uh, the Detroit Lions for trying to kick that kick because it's the only kick that seems to work anymore in the NFL for onside kicks. It's a strange thing to go through, and I'm just curious on how the coaches are coaching this thing up in their meeting rooms. Jamal Williams was used as a return man, and uh, Gabe Neitzel and I were talking about this because we weren't sure if we'd, we'd see Tavon Austin back, and Williams ended up returning the, the opening kick. My thought was, Tavon hadn't been hit all year. He had, he's not been hit once, right? <laughs> and I don't know if kickoff is exactly where you want to have him yet. We saw him return some punts. We saw a little package for him on the offense. Do you think his role ends up growing and perhaps impacting special teams a little bit more so than it did today? I mean, possibly, but he was brought in to be a punt returner and to be the jet sweep guy, and we saw that both take place today. And and I'm sure his role will grow a little bit on the offensive side as we get throughout the rest of the season. Kickoff returns a different animal. It, it's slightly different than the punt return. You need to be faster. You need to be more aggressive. You need to be more of a downhill runner. It fits a running back style a little bit more than it does a wide receiver, kind of quicker, more than fast type guy. Possibly Tavon Austin goes back, but I, I don't know. Even when he was uh, playing for the Rams, he, I don't believe he's returned to kickoff since 2015. So it's been some serious time since he's been in that role. Green Bay Packers are in a spot right now. Teams are going to make you return kickoffs. They're going to kick it short so that you have to return the kickoffs. 
They're going to have to find a way to block it up, and they're going to have to find a guy who's comfortable back there. Obviously, Jamal Williams feels confident. So how do you work on things on the fly? Because kick coverage has been not so great, right? I mean, this is a problem, and teams are going to try and take advantage of one of the Packers' weaknesses, as you mentioned, on special teams. How do you work on this throughout the course of a practice week when I, I can't imagine there's a lot of kick coverage happening throughout the course of the practice week? Well, there isn't. There, there really isn't. Even on a normal week, if your team isn't struggling, you cover about six kicks during the course of the week. So you really need to make an emphasis in the meeting rooms. And, and the emphasis needs to be more between the ears. I, when I watch these guys, they look like they're thinking a lot out there. I'm talking about our Green Bay Packer four core. They look like they're really thinking more than they need to. At some point in time, they need to be unleashed. They need to take the governors off. They need to pin their ears back. And they just need to be flying around like their hairs on fire trying to make these tackles on the coverage teams. We saw it early. Randy Ramsey came in and made a huge hit early in that football game on a kickoff. It needs to be more consistent, and you need to see it not just from one or two guys. You need to see it from everybody out there on the field. 855-616-1620 if you'd like to join us. 31-24 the final. In case you're just Chiming in, the Packers not only lock up a playoff berth, but they lock up the NFC North division for the second consecutive season. And courtesy of Philadelphia's win over the New Orleans Saints, Green Bay's record equal to that of the Saints, but because Green Bay won the head-to-head matchup, it's the Packers currently in the top position in the NFC with three games to play. Packers Radio is presented by American Family Insurance. This is the Packers Radio Network. Snap to Stafford. Looks downfield under pressure. He's hit. He's sacked. And the aforementioned Dean Lowry right on cue makes the sack back inside the 50-yard line near the Lions 47. Through December 31st, get no money down, no interest, and no payments for 12 months, plus $500 off qualifying orders at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. For details, visit PellaWI.com. Greg Magic and John Kuhn with you. We'll take your calls till 9 o'clock at 855-616-1620. Heard the highlight there was one of four sacks on the day for the Packers, all coming in the first half, and they were clustered, John, after that Dean Lowry sack. For a loss of 11, Rashawn Gary, the very next play on a third and 18, sacked Matthew Stafford. All of a sudden, it was fourth and 26. And then I thought maybe the most important sequence for the Packers, uh, I don't know if you want to say in the game, but certainly critical in the first half, was near the end of the half when Detroit looked like it was inching closer to field goal position. Uh, You had a sack of Matthew Stafford for a loss of 10, and then Kenny Clark wrapping things up uh, before the half was to end. So, you know, there, there's an opportunity there for Detroit to maybe take a lead before the end of the half when the Packers couldn't do much with their own two-minute drill. So the sacks came in bunches today, and they were effective. Yeah, and I look at the defense right now, and I see a defense that's ascending. And Detroit did play, you know, to the tune of 24 points today. But Matthew Stafford at home with the guys that he has is good enough to do that. I still think four sacks, they're they're continuing to get to the quarterback week after week here as we talk about the last month of the season. And if they can continue down uh, that trend through the last three games of the regular season, they're only going to gain more confidence. And that bodes well for teams trying to prepare for them going into the playoffs. Yeah, so Stafford had an interesting day here because – Uh, You look at his final stat line, and it's fine. It's 244 yards and a touchdown. I know there was a brief moment in time where he was off the field. Chase Daniel came in and attempted six passes. So 24 of 34, 244 and a touchdown. Rating is over 100. That's a a nice day at the office. But he had 203 yards at halftime. 
I, and so three plays. The Lions ran three plays in the third quarter and then were in catch-up mode in the fourth quarter, and they certainly made things interesting. Uh, but nonetheless, th- this is part of the assist that we talk about with the Packers' offense, right? Because it was a game of keep-away in that third quarter after Stafford had a, a pretty hot first half. Yes, I, I agree with you to a certain extent. Having a good offense that can possess the football 13 and some change in the third quarter is great. That's that's great for any defense. But they did cause the three and out, and they did that with two batted balls at the line of scrimmage. That's the types of stuff that the uh, complementary football is what they call it, when a defense can go out there and do, it just destroys an opponent. It takes their will when an offense scores, and then you get a quick three and out as, uh, out of your defense who's been resting on the side. Think about how fresh that defense was in the fourth quarter for the Green Bay Packers versus the Detroit Lions because they hadn't played much in the second half. Yeah, you mentioned the two batted balls, so this looked like it was going to be perhaps another very short series for the Lions. On a third and ten, they end up picking up 12 yards. Certainly you're not happy with that. Uh, But then it got a little wonky with the penalties, And, and this was maybe a negative of the day for Green Bay. It seemed like it turned into a penalty fest in that fourth quarter. Uh, and it happened on third downs on a couple of occasions. I count four uh, illegal hands or holding penalties on one drive, and that, that, that's your sorry spot of the tape, I guess, uh, in that fourth quarter. Yeah, at the same time, you want your guys to play physical, right? And if you're going to drop a safety down in the box and try and keep teams from running and pressure the quarterback, then you got to expect your guys to press on their their receivers. And, and you saw that from time to time in the game. You don't want to let up a big play, so you get a little grabby and you get a holding call, which is a five-yard gain and an automatic first down, which feels terrible on third down but the alternate or the alternative is a big catch or a big play and a first down so I don't mind it as long as you're playing physical as long as you're playing tough and as long as you're competing just to grab is not good but if you're playing tough good physical football I can live with those from time to time 855-616-1620 let's talk to Kyle in Barnes Wisconsin you're on Packers OT hi Kyle Hey, how's it going today? All right, thanks for the call. Yeah, no problem. I just, uh, first of all, I want to say a big shout out to all of Wisconsin. We're kings of the north again. Feels great. Um, uh, one of the previous callers kind of stole my question. I was just wondering why uh, Jamal Williams was going to take the, uh, the the kicks uh, on the return side, and also uh, Bobby Tanyan, BDB. What a great player! And how do we like? pursue him as a receiver going forward appreciate the uh, phone call kyle yeah tony and getting increased snaps today uh, he really he's deserved it all season but uh, with jay sternberger out they had to shuffle the the tight end situation a little bit they have a, a fullback you probably hadn't heard of that was used on occasion as well uh williams on kickoffs I, I, he's done it before john i guess i wasn't surprised to see him back there i thought maybe tavon austin I, I guess i was maybe a little bit more surprised to see the early run of Williams, I, he was on the field in some in situations where I, I thought you might see Aaron Jones. I, I usually use twenty as sort of a, a target line for Aaron Jones's touches. I uh, came a little short of that at seventeen. You're still talking about a rushing attack that averaged between the running backs a little over four yards a carry. So it's not like there was a big drop off or anything when Jamal Williams came on the field. But it's December, man. I, if you don't have two backs at this time of the year, 
you might have a problem unless you got the guy in Tennessee. Uh, that's what I was going to say. Unless you have Derrick Henry or Christian McCaffrey, which the Carolina Panthers don't even have, or maybe even Alvin Kamara. This is my take on this. It, what a great luxury the Green Bay Packers have to have Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams back there. They can cycle them in and out. They can keep them fresh throughout the course of the game. I'd like seeing Aaron Jones touch the ball consistently throughout the game because even though he's a smaller body, I think he's a guy who gets stronger as the game goes on. He gets more of a feel for the defense and keeping him fresh for the second half doesn't necessarily mean he's he's in his groove. I like Aaron Jones in a groove. I like five touches a quarter, just like you said, um, 20 total touches for the game. But they came close to that today. And when you do relieve him, relieving him with a guy like Jamal Williams is a tremendous attribute for this offense of the Green Bay Packers because Jamal Williams brings a type of energy. He brings a type of atmosphere that this offense needs from time to time. I love the way that they stayed dedicated to the run game today because that sets up everything in the passing game with the play action. Well, and doing it late in the third quarter, early in the fourth, there was a 12-play uh, drive that resulted in that Robert Tunyon touchdown. I count over 40 yards rushing on that particular drive, John. So chunk runs of 9 and 8 and 9, and that was a mix of Williams and Jones. So that's the time where you're trying to salt the game away, and the Packers were, were able to do just enough. Of course, getting into the end zone certainly helped the cause, but uh, that was maybe the best sequence of running the football we saw in the game today for Green Bay. Absolutely, and that's what this Green Bay Packer team can do. And that's why I started, you know, a few weeks ago, I started taking a step back and saying, maybe Aaron Rodgers does have weapons here, right? We came into the football season, everybody was upset we didn't draft a wide receiver, and we didn't get somebody at the trade deadline. But as I look over this team, and I see MVS starting to make plays, and I know the two running backs back there are both more than capable, and now Robert Tunyon doing what Robert Tunyon does, and, and catching touchdown passes, and being that, that target when his number is finally called. I think this Green Bay Packers offense has enough weapons with Aaron Rodgers to win a Super Bowl. It's really good to see her. Well, and how much of that is scheme, too? And, and, and I know the players are a big part of it, but I, I've been amazed at how open receivers have been consistently throughout the year. Mercedes Lewis catches a, a pass from Rodgers about a week ago. He turns, and nobody is within 15 yards of the guy. I, I just think back to your final couple years in Green Bay, there was a lot of that back shoulder stuff going on. Timing, chemistry, not a lot of separation. When you're one-on-one, Aaron's good enough to put it in a small window. The windows are much wider this year than I recall. Absolutely. Credit to Matt LaFleur. He's making his case for NFL Coach of the Year. I don't know if he's going to get it with Andy Reid and Mike Tomlin doing what they're doing in the AFC, but what his offense looks like in year two, and we wondered about this last year. At times, they looked super efficient and very capable of being a top-notch offense, and then they had stalled moments. Not such the case this year. The Green Bay Packer offense much more efficient and consistent throughout the course of every single football game. And really, when Aaron Rodgers, the best to do it in the NFL, is throwing these balls to guys that are open, it makes it a lot easier for him to put the pass in a place where they can catch it and run after the catch. And that's been the reason why the offense has been so explosive this year. 855-616-1620 if you'd like to join us. A little over hour left to go in the program. Packers pull off a 31-24 win over the Detroit Lions. Time to catch an instant replay update. What else happened today? Week 14 of the NFL season. Let's begin in... Where, where the heck was this game played? I'm looking at Tampa Bay. I was going to say Foxborough. I saw Brady on my script here, Greg Hill. Whew. Old habits die young. 
Minnesota Vikings started the day as the number seven seed in the NFC playoff picture. A visit to Tampa Bay has complicated matters. Offset eye formation and the rolling pass toward the end zone. Caught by Gronkowski. Roll out by Brady. Hits his favorite target. And spiking the ball with the right hand is Gronkowski. Holy Gronkowski. The Bucks get a touchdown. It's 23-6. to Gene Deckerhoff and Dave Moore with the call on the Buccaneers radio network. Brady and Tampa Bay pull off a 26-14 win over Minnesota. The Vikings playoff chances dip to 22%. The Kansas City Chiefs are AFC West division champs and playoff bound. Ad hoc, the Des Moines native, punch it away. Left-footed punter taken by Hardman. First time he's going to return today. Oh. And he's got an edge at the 40-45. Hardman in midfield, 45-40. Two blocks, 30, 25, jet fuel, 15, 10, 5. Get your boarding pass. The jet is taken into the end zone. Touchdown, Kansas City. Mitch Holtis and Danon Hughes with the call. 106.5 The Wolf and the Chiefs Radio Network. Patrick Mahomes, 393 yards passing and two touchdowns against a quality Miami Dolphins defense. Mahomes actually had three interceptions on the day. Entertaining game. Chiefs outlast the Dolphins, 33-27. In the Pacific Northwest, the Jets remain winless. The Seahawks remain on the Packers' heels in the NFC. Play fake. Russ going to scramble out to the right side. Look at him in the back of the end zone. He's got it for a touchdown. Seahawks. It's Freddie Swain, the rookie, standing all by his lonesome on the back line. And the Seahawks are on top, 6-3 on an absolutely beautiful drive. Steve Rabel with the call on the Seahawks Broadcasting Network. No problem for Russell Wilson and the Hawks today, blanking the Jets by a score of 40-3. Game of note for Packers fans, it was played in Philadelphia. Jalen Hurts making his... Debut as a starter for the Eagles and picking up a 24-21 win over the Saints, snapping New Orleans' nine-game winning streak. The loss plus the Green Bay win means the Packers sit atop the NFC standings with three games to play. Washington over San Francisco, 23-15. The Chargers topped the Falcons by a score of 20-17. It was the Colts behind 150 yards rushing and two touchdowns from Jonathan Taylor picking up a 44-27 win over the Las Vegas Raiders. The Titans are now 9-4, 31-10. They clobber the Jacksonville Jaguars, 215 yards rushing and two touchdowns for Derrick Henry. Broncos over the Panthers, 32-27. Carolina will be in Green Bay to face the Packers on Saturday night. Cardinals over the Giants by a score of 26-7. It was the Cowboys picking up a 30-7 win over the Bengals. And an easy win for the Chicago Bears. Playoff hopes remain alive at 6-7, albeit slim. 36-7, the final over the Houston Texans. Sunday night football, 3-11 to go in the first quarter. The Bills and Steelers are scoreless. Monday night football features the Ravens and Browns. Packers Radio is presented by American Family Insurance. This is the Packers Radio Network. Thirty-one twenty-four. the final. The Packers improved to 10-3 with a win. They also clinched the NFC North division. John Kuhn, Saturday night football at Lambeau coming up in less than a week. You ready for it? Absolutely. You talk about a Carolina Panthers team that you can't overlook because every game counts, right? Christian McCaffrey, will he come back from this quad? You never know. Uh, the Green Bay Packers sitting in a pretty good spot right now atop the NFC. Need to take care of business one game at a time. This is what it's all about, though. Back-to-back primetime games against quality opponents. Well, one more than the other, but nonetheless. 
And the Packers are going to play a couple more primetime games as the season winds out here. you got the Saturday night game followed by the Sunday night game against the Tennessee Titans. So it's going, to be, it's going to be some good opportunities for Aaron Rodgers to make even more of a claim for himself for league MVP. Appreciate you, my friend. We'll talk to you again down the road. That's John Kuhn. We're back again after this on the Packers Radio Network. Packers game day continues. In that situation, again, you know, the, the great teams uh, can finish off opponents in that situation. With Packers OT, presented by Pillow Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. As long as we take it one game at a time, don't let nothing get ahead of us, uh, you know, stuff like that. It's going gonna, it's gonna to handle itself. Now, hear from the fans, the players, and get updates from around the league. They can't just limit us. They can't say, hey, it's two running backs in there. They All they're going to do is run the ball. You never know what we're going to do now. So I feel like it's just giving us more and more weapons. With your host, Greg Matzik, on the Packers Radio Network. Oh, it feels good to be NFC North Division champs for the second consecutive year. Green Bay in that position following a 31-24 win over the Detroit Lions. Welcome back in. It's Packers OT, presented by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Through December 31st, get no money down, no interest, and no payments for 12 months, plus $500 off qualifying orders at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. For details, visit PellaWI.com. 855-616-1620 if you'd like to join us on the program. We'll get to your thoughts coming up in just a moment. First, 10 seconds for our stations to identify themselves on the Packers radio network. Breaking news, weather and traffic 24 hours a day. WTMJ and W277CD. Milwaukee. Football can be a real pain. Orthopedic Associates of Wisconsin can fix that pain fast. There is a difference. 855-616-1620. If you'd like to join us on the program, we'll take your thoughts until 9 o'clock following today's 31-24 to win. Let's grab Mike in Menominee. Thanks for holding, Mike. You're on Packers OT. Hey, man. Uh, so what I see after today is um, a lot of Packers fans still not appreciating how good it is to beat a uh, divisional opponent especially somebody like, like Matt Stafford. I've uh, been really, really good for a long time. Meanwhile, somebody like the Saints go out and lose to a rookie quarterback making a uh, NFL debut. And the Chiefs almost blowing a 30-10 to 10 lead uh, against the Dolphins against a rookie quarterback. So sometimes when I hear these uh, narratives about how the Packers can't play well against uh, opponents that, that they should beat, I get a little confused because I see how other teams struggle, and I'm just kind of curious to hear your guys' thoughts. So I thank you for all you do, and I'll uh, take off here. Yeah, I appreciate the phone call, Mike. So, yeah, this gets into the category, I think, of win grading, where you look at a win and then you try and grade it based upon its level of dominance. I am not a win grader. It is my job on this program to point out you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. What went great for the Packers today? What was a bit concerning? And what does it all mean big picture? That's what we do here on this program. A 31-24 win on the road in a place the Packers have had their time uh, over the last several years, including last year when they didn't lead until, well, after the clock said zero. In fact, the entire year against Detroit was a two-fold headache. The Packers somehow able to win. So uh, I don't know that it was a convincing runaway win, but it was a victory on the road, and, and it looked to be in control, uh, especially following that third quarter, given the time of possession. So, yeah, the point is well taken. It's, it's not easy to win in general in the NFL, but I don't look at today's game as a measuring stick game. 
right? This is not the kind of game where you say, okay, well, the Packers are legit Super Bowl threats because they were able to go on the road and beat Detroit. I don't think anybody is saying that. What you're saying after a game like this is it took care of business. They went on the road. They did exactly what they had to do. They beat a team they are better than. And, yeah, it got a little interesting in the fourth quarter. It seems to happen on occasion. But by and large, it felt like the Packers outplayed Detroit in most phases of the game. And they ultimately walk away with the win, a nice, short, pleasant flight home. And not only do they win the NFC North, but they move into the top position in the NFC playoff picture. That's a heck of a day. That's a great day. But no, this is not a measuring stick sort of game. That comes in a couple of weeks. That comes against the Tennessee Titans. That comes against a running back who just bulldozes people, especially in the colder weather months, and had 215 yards rushing today in Derrick Henry. That is the only, I think, measuring stick game left on the Packers' schedule. With respect to the Carolina Panthers and with respect to the Chicago Bears, who had a blowout win today over a sub-500 Houston Texans team, the only measuring stick game left before the playoffs against a playoff-caliber opponent will be against Tennessee. That's the one you look at with the antenna up and say, all right, well, let's see what we got here. Because that's the kind of team you're going to see come January. The balance of power may be in the AFC, and and the Titans are in that mix, and the path to the Super Bowl may be a little different, maybe a little less daunting in the NFC. You never know what matchups are going to be. Uh, But that's why you look at today's game and say, took care of business. Okay, you took care of business, and they did. It's exactly what the Packers did today. Clean, I think, by and large, on offense. Uh, the holding penalties, uh, you had a couple of those uh, early in the second half. In fact, amazingly, the Packers were able to withstand two holding penalties on offense, which led to first and 20 on two occasions in the same drive. They were still able to score a touchdown on that particular drive. That You don't see that often in the NFL. That's a sign of where this Packers offense is. You better score 30 if you're going to beat the Packers. So Lions unable to do that today. Several opponents unable to do that. The Packers right around their scoring average with today's output. Entering today's game, the Packers lead or led the NFL in scoring per game average at 31.6. They put up 31 today. That's a trick. You want to beat the Green Bay Packers, you better score 30. Because they can do it against just about anybody. 855-616-1620 if you'd like to join us. Alex in New Richmond joins us next. Hi, Alex. Um, hey, guys. Um, to kind of comment on what you just said about how efficient the offense was uh, today, and I said the exact same thing. I was watching um, the game on TV at home with my dad, and I said that once, once we get to 31, it's over. But um, the first caller that called in already complimented Mason Crosby, and I think he pretty much deserves a game ball for that man size 58-yard kick that he had but my um question is do you honestly think that aaron Rodgers um could win the mvp this year because i honestly think that he should so that was my question so thank you very much and um i'll hang up and listen yeah thanks for the phone call alex i i, I do i think it's a two-horse race i mean it's patrick mahomes and it's aaron Rodgers. that's it it is a two-horse race and other guys have had nice seasons and josh allen he's on tv right now and Ben Roethlisberger's had a nice season, and the Steelers are a one-loss team going into week 14 of the season. Other players have had nice seasons. Derrick Henry might have been in that conversation uh, up till a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but this is a two-horse race. If you're just looking at the numbers, I, I don't know how you, you, you split this up. 
Rodgers has a better completion percentage. Mahomes has more yards. Rodgers has more touchdowns and fewer interceptions and a higher quarterback rating. It gets into the weapons discussion, who has more to work with. You might say that Kansas City, there's more explosive weapons on offense in Kansas City. Um, Although the Packers' weapons certainly look explosive, they can all run. There's no doubt about that. You know, this is is a two-horse race. Uh, Going into today, I would have said Patrick Mahomes has a slight edge. Mahomes had 393 yards passing today, but he also had three interceptions, which I don't believe helps his cause in any way. So this will be a a two-horse race, I think, for the next few weeks. And then up to the voters. But absolutely, Aaron Rodgers is playing at an MVP level. Whether he wins it or not, he is playing at an MVP level. And that's most critical, I think, for the Packers. 855-616-1620. Tom in Lacrosse joins us next. Hello, Tom. Hi, how you doing? Okay, thanks. What do you got? I, I, think, I, think, I think it's about time we stop talking about how we should have drafted receivers and stuff like that because it seems to me like this receiving court is starting to come into its own right at the right time. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but I was just going to make a comment about that. Well, I, I guess it just overall a broad picture here, Tom. You, you look at an offense that a year ago in year number one of Matt LaFleur's system averaged 23.5 points per game. It's, it's the same number that the Mike McCarthy system yielded in his final season in Green Bay, 23.5 points. Well, here the Packers sit, and I mentioned it just a few moments ago. No team in the NFL is scoring more points per game on average than the Green Bay Packers. So it is hard to argue with the collection of weapons. And and I get it, right? A.J. Dillon's been on the COVID list, and we're hopeful to see him before the season ends. It's going to be a little while, I think, before conditioning gets back to where it needs to be. Uh, You're not getting anything out of your top draft pick, at least not now, and I don't think that was expected. And the number three pick, Josiah DeGuara, tore his ACL in week number one. So the top three picks, it's been little to no impact so far this season, but they haven't been relied upon because of the collection of overall talent. Every time I see Robert Tunyon five yards in space by himself or Mercedes Lewis with nobody near him, it's it's a credit to the scheme. It's working. The scheme is absolutely working. There's no doubt about that. Now, if you want to talk about maybe a couple of those picks could have used been on defense, whatever, we could have that discussion. Uh, but it's hard to argue with the output of the Packers' offense. Absolutely. Rod is holding in Weyerhaeuser. Appreciate you hanging on, Rod. You're on Packers OT. Yeah, thank you very much for taking my call. Go Pack, go Pack, go. Uh, I, I, two comments, and I got a critical question. The Packers, uh, I believe what that new Richmond man said, they should give the game ball to Mason Crosby because if he would have been back there after that phenomenal kick, that could have changed the whole turnout. And my question is, what do they have to do on special teams kickoff? They can't, if they want to go to the Super Bowl and finish the job, they can't be letting these guys run back. What do they have to do? I'll, I'll listen off air. Thank you. Yeah, I, you know, I appreciate the phone call. I, again, it's, it's, it's one of those things that you just don't practice throughout the course of the year. Every time I see an injury report and I look at the inactives, I try and figure out, does this affect special teams? And how many different coverage units have the Packers had? I mean, the best special teams units typically have the same bodies in and out every single week. They can build that sort of continuity. When you're rotating in players, especially young players, it can be a little tricky. But that seems to have been the the way in Green Bay the last several years. 
And this is sort of a, a recent issue. Not that the return game has been electrifying at all. I think it was better with Tyler Irvin, obviously, last year. Uh, they were negative in punt return yardage for a, a while last year until Irvin showed up. Okay, I, it's it's fine. It, it's not hurt the Packers much. I think there was one turnover with Malik Taylor or Darius Shepard. But I, they're not getting much. The kicking game is fine. Punting game, that's a component of special teams. So is Mason Crosby kicking field goals. That's a component you feel good about. Return units have been suspect. So now you're at a point where you're just almost telling Mason, especially in a, a climate-controlled environment, just blast it through the end zone. I mean, don't even leave it to chance. And that may be where the Packers have to go. Uh, that gets a little trickier, however, at Lambeau Field when you're kicking a brick in the month of December uh, than it would be in a, a, a situation like this playing in Detroit. So I, they just they need to be better. There's no doubt about it. You can get away with it against Jacksonville. You can get away with it against Detroit. It's the kind of thing you don't want to have rear its ugly head in the playoffs. That is for sure. 855-616-1620 if you would like to join us on the program. Packers OT, presented by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Time for an instant replay update, a look at scores and highlights from around the league in Week 14. Let's start in the NFC with the Vikings at 6-6, six six, looking to improve playoff position against the Buccaneers team coming off a bye week. Advantage, Tampa Bay. Out of the gun, Brady takes the snap, has protection, looks upfield, throws a deep ball downfield towards Scotty Miller. Miller, K makes the catch, touchdown, Tampa Bay. Run, Scotty, run. Fire the cannons. Gene Deckerhoff, Dave Moore with the call on the Buccaneers radio network. One of two touchdown passes on the day for Tom Brady in a 26-14 win. Vikings kicker Dan Bailey missed three field goals and an extra point in today's loss. Do the math. That's a problem. Buccaneers improved to 8-5. Minnesota falls to 6-7. And And in a virtual tie with the Bears, who clobbered the Texans today in the Windy City. Snap Trubisky with the empty spread. Tosses it quickly. Over the middle, Robinson, the catch for the touchdown. Touchdown, Bears! They put up 29 so far on the Texans in the first half. Jeff Joniak with the call. WBBM, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM in Chicago. Nice day for Mitch Trubisky, 24 of 33, 267 yards and three touchdowns on the day. Bears and Vikings now tied for second place in the NFC North. December belongs to Tennessee Titans running back Derrick Henry. Going to run Henry at right guard, big hole, 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, end zone. The Yuli Bulldozer. Touchdown, Titans! Mike Keith, Dave McGinnis, Arnie Wells with the call on Titans Radio. Big day for Henry. 26 carries, 215 yards, and two touchdowns. He leads the league in rushing. Tennessee will be in Green Bay the evening of December 27th. Elsewhere around the lead, the Cowboys topped the Bengals 30-7, a game that was not competitive. Chiefs over the Dolphins. That game was competitive. Entertaining as well. The Dolphins score 17 to make it interesting in the fourth quarter. Chiefs outlast Miami 33-27. Cardinals blow by the Giants by a score of 26-7. Kyler Murray with 244 yards passing and a touchdown. It was the Broncos over the Panthers by a score of 32-27. 150 yards on the ground for former Badgers running back Jonathan Taylor. Two touchdowns to go along with it. Nice day for JT. Colts over the Raiders 44-27. Indianapolis is 9-4. 
No problem for the Seahawks today in defeating the Jets by a score of 40-3. to New York now 0-13 on the season. Chargers over the Falcons 20-17 on a field goal in the final moments of the game. Washington owns a four-game winning streak, leading the NFC East 23-15. They beat the San Francisco 49ers. Game of note for Packers fans, this is maybe the best news of the day aside of the Packers win. The Eagles improved to 4-8-1 behind Jalen Hurts, topping the Saints 24-21. 115 yards and two touchdowns on the ground for Miles Sanders. New Orleans falls to 10-3. Their nine-game winning streak is snapped, so the Packers and Saints own the same record. But if you go back to earlier in the season, Green Bay owns the head-to-head tiebreakers. So things getting interesting here with three games to play. Green Bay owns the top seed in the NFC North. The New Orleans Saints will face the Kansas City Chiefs before the regular season ends. Packers Radio is presented by American Family Insurance. This is the Packers Radio Network. Shotgun snap, Stafford looking downfield under pressure from Rashawn Gary. He's hit and sacked by Gary. Back at the 41-yard line. My goodness, loss of about eight yards. Fourth down, Detroit. A reminder that Sartori Cheese donates $1,000 to the Make-A-Wish Foundation of Wisconsin for every field goal by Green Bay. Today, a donation of $1,000 will be made to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. It was a big one. Mason Crosby's 57-yarder officially gave the Packers a 31-21 lead with about two minutes to go in today's game. Welcome back in. It's Packers OT presented by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Greg Matzik with you until 9 o'clock tonight. We'll take your calls at 855-616-1620. Let's talk to Jeff in Milwaukee on Packers OT. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Greg. Hey, first of all, I want to say um, you do a really nice job. Your analysis is superb. Your people skills are great. You're very organized. I just want to tell you that. Man, I appreciate um, that very much. Thank you so much, Jeff. I appreciate that. It's true. It's really enjoyable to listen to you over the years. But, you know, we're talking, we thought about, you know, LaFleur's getting uh, raved, raves, and so is obviously Aaron Rodgers. But think about, um, you know, guys are briefly talking about the 2020 draft. What about Brian Gutenkunst for his 2019 draft? Think about it. It's the first three picks were Sean Gary, Darnell Savage, Elton Jenkins. All three of them are producing at an exceptionally high level. And I'll hang up and listen, but I just think that's really incredible to get three guys like that like I said, at that high level. But great show. Talk to you soon. Yeah, Bye. thanks to the phone call, Jeff. So it really, you have to go back even one step further. Let's go back to 2018. Remember that draft? The Packers actually had an opportunity to trade down, and they did so, acquiring a first-round pick from the New Orleans Saints, and they drafted Jair Alexander, who has become one of the top cover corners in the NFL. So acquiring an asset and trading down in the first round to pick a guy in Jair Alexander who's having a Pro Bowl caliber year. Uh, you also, in that particular draft, found Marquez Valdez-Scantling for all the ups and downs. He's a fifth-round draft pick in 2018, and Equinemius St. Brown, who is contributing here as a sixth-round pick. Uh, but the point is well taken, and I would even add another name to the 2019 class. Gary is coming into his own. We see it. it, it it's, it's certainly not for a lack of hustle. I, this, this dude gives it. On every down, you see it. Darnell Savage, three picks in his last three games. Elton Jenkins, the most versatile lineman perhaps on the Packers roster and a, and a great find in the second round. Uh, and Kingsley Kiki, a fifth-round pick, is is giving them a little something on the front line. 
pass batted down today. He's made some impact plays on that defensive front. Part of the rotation with Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry and Tyler Lancaster. Kiki has really stood out, I think, among that group. Maybe aside of, of Kenny Clark, the most impactful defensive lineman out of that 3-4 grouping. So, yeah, it's more than just the guys you mentioned there. You have to add, I think, Kingsley Kiki to the mix. I, and the jury is still out on this year's draft class. It, it's definitely early, but in, in the opportunities Kamal Martin and John Runyon have had as fifth and sixth round draft picks, they've held up pretty well. Uh, and you get the feeling that Martin's going to have a more significant role here down the stretch unless there's an injury situation. But whenever John Runyon's been called upon, he's been fine as a sixth round pick. And uh, I do think A.J. Dillon will factor into this season before it ends. He's just, of course, been sidetracked due to COVID. So, yeah, it always takes time. And we want the immediate from draft picks, especially top overall picks, to come in and, and make a difference right away. You know, and I think what aided Rashawn Gary in year number one is how incredible Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith were. So he could develop. And, and it wasn't all on Gary to be a showstopper from the get-go he had a couple of free agents who stepped into that role, and, and now Gary is starting to you know, get snapped with Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith on the field as part of that pass-rushing package. So yeah, it, draft and develop, it, it works. You have to be able to do it, but I think when you're a championship contender, it's important to also mix in the free agency so you're not reliant upon a rookie to step into big-time shoes from the get-go. I, I also think that's really important, the, the combo platter, if you want to call it that. Uh, it's what Brian Gutekunst has subscribed to here since coming to Green Bay. Roy in Cedarburg joins us next. Roy, you're on Packers OT. Hey, how's it going? Um, I, you know, great game today. Um, you know, I, I just have to say, you know, I love the show. Um, it's been great. It's been a tradition of mine on Sunday nights to listen to the show. I love it. Um, but one thing that's really alarming to me is the special teams play. Um, it's, it's been, a an issue now for a couple weeks in a row. Um, the special teams coach, Sean Menga, um, you know, I'm not sure, you know, a mid season fire wouldn't probably be, you know, jumping the gun, um, as far as Packers are concerned, but, um, that will lose you games in the playoffs, um, uh, especially. So, I mean, that, that is alarming to me. Um, the special teams is, is on all fronts has been, um, Unacceptable. I'll hang up and listen. Yeah, thanks to the phone call, Roy. I, I don't think on all fronts it's been unacceptable. I, I think on, on kick coverage it's been a problem for sure. But a component to special teams is also your kicker. And Mason Crosby's pretty darn good. I think J.K. Scott is fine as a punter. Um, I, he may not be the weapon that you'd like him to be, but I think he's fine. The kick coverage has been a problem. And we saw that today. Just think about the sequence here. And this has happened now a few times in a row. You'll see a pop, splash, tackle on a kickoff here and there, and and that's happened. But the sequence in the game in which the returner, uh, Agnew for Detroit, just you know blitzed into an open field only to be tackled and forced out of bounds by Mason Crosby was a a pretty key point in this game, right? You have the big 57-yard kick. You go up (sighs) 31-21, sort of exhale. Okay. Detroit's going to have to go 75 yards to get into the end zone and make this thing interesting. Well, then a 71-yard kick return made it a short field for Chase Daniel, not Matthew Stafford, and they only had to run a couple of plays to get points on the board, and it was in the form of a field goal, which, of course, led to the onside kick, which was also kind of curious and heart-stopping to watch. So uh, I think the point is well taken. You do that against Tennessee, 
you do that in the playoffs against a playoff caliber team, and that could be the thing that ends your season. And I guarantee you this, Matt LaFleur is not happy with it. And he has spoke about it in the last couple of weeks. How do you practice it? That's a great mystery. It's like a relief pitcher in baseball. When they struggle, how do you get a bullpen session in when he might be called upon that night to pitch? Uh, they just don't practice it during the course of the practice week in the regular season. As John Kuhn mentioned, it's more mental. So I, I, I hope that it gets better. But after so many games seeing the same thing, you start to think to yourself, well, this is, this is the show, right? This is what we got. Uh, and maybe just maybe blasting the ball through the end zone in a climate-controlled situation is the best course of action. Maybe even for the punter. Let's start at the 20, right? I, I don't know, but I, you cannot let this affect you in the postseason. We've seen what that looks like, and it ain't pretty, and we're still not over it. 855-616-1620 if you'd like to join us. About a half hour left to go here on the program. Still have an open line for you. We'll grab you coming up on the other side. 31-24 the final. The Packers improved to 10-3 and with the win. 5-2 and away from Lambeau Field. Next contest will be against the Carolina Panthers visiting Lambeau Field Saturday. That's right, Saturday evening. It's a 7:20 kickoff from Green Bay. Packers Radio is presented by American Family Insurance. This is the Packers Radio Network. Crosby, here's the snap. Placement made. Swing of the right leg. Kick to the upright. It is good. Mason Crosby. 57 yards. It's a two-score game. Green Bay 31, Detroit 21. Today's hardest-working player of the game is presented by Blaine's Farm and Fleet. Buy online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in the convenient drive-thru. You don't even need to get out of the car. Mason Crosby, Packers kicker, today's hardest-working player of the game. Presented by Blaine's Farm and Fleet. A 57-yard field goal to give the Packers a 10-point lead late in the fourth quarter and then uh, perhaps a touchdown-saving tackle after uh, Agnew for Detroit sprung loose on Crosby's kickoff. So Mason Crosby kicks a 57-yarder and tackles the ball carrier on the very next play. So impressive day for Mason Crosby. You always feel great about your kicker when his name is Mason Crosby. There are other teams, we see it week after week, who do not feel confident in their kicking game. Case in point, Minnesota. There's a team that entered the day as the number 7 seed in the playoff race on the road at Tampa Bay. They take an early lead, 6 nothing. Why is it 6 nothing? Because Dan Bailey missed an extra point. The Vikings lost by 12, and Dan Maley missed three field goals and an extra point. you got to feel good about your kicker this time of year. They feel great about him in Green Bay, I'll tell you that. 855-616 if you'd like to weigh in on the program. Dave is in Auburn, Alabama, SEC country. Welcome to the program, Dave. Hey, thanks. Uh, first time caller, really enjoy your show. Thank you. And uh, so I was... I'd love to hear your comments or your thoughts on the trust that is evident uh, between Lafleur and Rodgers. A good example of it today was that last third down call where it's got to be so tempting to just run it there and eat some more clock, but he put it in his best player's hands and they got it done. I'll hang up and listen. Yeah, so this is that uh, that all gas and no bleeping breaks sort of mantra. Um, I, and I don't think it was, uh, you know, let's just, you know, go deep and chuck it into the end zone. Uh, but it is leaving the ball in the hands of your best player and trusting him to make plays when necessary. And I think the Packers have a couple of ways they can go. 
Uh, Aaron Jones averaged 4.6 a carry uh, on his carries today. And Aaron spread the ball around and was incredibly clean. I think they feel great about the offensive line, even though Corey Lindsley is not able to go. Uh, but insulting this game away, you know, it was, what, the 45-yard line after the onside kick? It was a four-yard run and then a one-yard run. Third and five, it's getting Aaron on the move outside of the pocket and finding Robert Tanyan. So uh, a design play to, to move the pocket, and it's a, the bread-and-butter play for the Packers this season. That tight end starting on the left side of the line of scrimmage, working his way behind the guard and center and tackle, and all of a sudden on the right side in the flat, and it's it's like an automatic five to seven yards. It is the bread-and-butter play. And it was interesting because in this game, the Lions tried to run a similar play to TJ Hawkinson, and it got blown up by Adrian Amos. You think he hasn't seen that a thousand times in the course of practice? So uh, I thought that was an interesting play from Amos uh, in the early portion of the game. But when you need it, the best player, maybe in football, had the ball in his hands running Matt LaFleur's bread-and-butter system play. And then he'd taken a knee, and then the game is over. So, yeah, I, third and five, it's, yeah, it's a passing situation. Uh, but I love the play call. Made a lot of sense. Pass rush was not able to key on Aaron Rodgers, who was, by and large, held very clean throughout today's game. Uh, and the Packers were able to pull off the win. I, it, it wasn't always pretty, no. Uh, and, and it's frustrating to talk a little bit about special teams and a host of penalties by the Packers today. I, I would say an uncharacteristic day in terms of penalties, 12 for 68 yards. That's not a common number, I don't believe. I don't look at this team and say, they will not do well in the playoffs because all the, the laundry that's on the field. That's not Green Bay. It's a pretty disciplined team, I think, by and large. 120 rushing yards to Detroit's 51. Matthew Stafford, 203 yards passing in the first half. He finished with 244. And I know he left the game momentarily, but Chase Daniel didn't really you know, throw the lights out of the ball in his six attempts. So I, I, really interesting second half. The game really flipped, I think, in the third quarter when the Packers dominated time of possession. Detroit ran just three plays in the third quarter. That's where the Packers ended up taking control. 855-616-1620 if you'd like to join us. Still 20 minutes and a line open for you. Packers Radio is presented by American Family Insurance. This is the Packers Radio Network. Let's bring the trophy home. The title is back in town. The Green Bay Packers are world champions of football. News Radio WTMJ. They get motion to the right side by MVS. Rodgers under center, first and goal at the five. Rodgers takes play action. Got a block from Jamal Williams, throws the left side of the end zone. Touchdown, Bobby Tunyon. And the Packers now extend the lead to 27-14. Today's turning point of the game is presented by your Wisconsin Toyota dealers. Toyota-thon is on. It's time to ring in the season with a stylish new ride from Toyota. Gotta hurry, though. The incredible savings won't last. Toyota, let's go places. Turning point in today's game, a 12-play, 79-yard drive in 7 minutes, 49 seconds, resulting in a Robert Tunyon touchdown, Aaron Rodgers' third touchdown pass of the day. Why was this the turning point? Well, it gave the Packers a 28-14 lead in the fourth quarter. The drive started in the third quarter and concluded in the fourth quarter. And really, if you want to talk about it in totality, I feel like the whole stretch, the whole third quarter going through that touchdown, Rodgers to Tunyon, was where the Packers seized control of this game. Tied at the half, 
Green Bay started the second half with the ball. I mentioned on that particular first touchdown drive, 14 plays, 75 yards, over eight and a half minutes time of possession. There were two holding penalties the Packers had to overcome. So twice, Green Bay had it at first and 20, which is a problem, usually. It's just where Matt LaFleur's offense is right now with Aaron Rodgers. They can overcome those mistakes, and they did so to get into the end zone. And then Detroit ran three plays and kicked it right back to Green Bay, who marched down the field for another 12 plays, 79 yards, and 749 for a touchdown. So you're talking about a ridiculous advantage in time of possession in that third quarter. The Lions had it for three plays, and that's where the game was won, I think, for the Packers. And yes, Mason's kick was, you know, maybe you know the icing on the cake in today's win, and you know, making sure that onside kick wasn't recovered by Detroit allows you to take a knee. All critical as it played out in today's game. But I thought the time of possession swing that ultimately led to two touchdowns for the Packers in that third and fourth quarter, that was the difference point, the turning point in today's game. 855-616-1620. Packers OT is presented by Pella, Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Mike in Virginia is next on Packers OT. Hi, Mike. Hey, Greg. How's it going? Great. Thank you. Hey, um, I want to just want to echo what Mike in Milwaukee said, which was uh, thank you for the great job that you do. I was a DJ at WRBN, Rippon's College FM station, as in Rippon, Wisconsin. Um, I really appreciate what you do. Yeah, thanks so you much, know. Mike. I appreciate that. Okay, what's on my mind tonight is two things. One is Bobby Tunyon's for my high school. I played quarterback there. He did. I think the tight ends are going to factor big in the playoffs. Um, the wide receivers are obviously coming on. I mean, I, I have not seen MVS catch that many passes in my memory. Um, and EQ even caught a couple, and they had been bumming us all out, I think. Uh, the second thing is, why, doesn't, why don't the Packers draft from the University of Wisconsin? Um, Tony Canadeo, Hall of Famer, was. I don't know. What has changed, if it's political or it's just that they go to Alabama first? You know what I'm saying? So what do you think? Uh, with that, I'll hang up and listen to what you have to say. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. You know, the, there are two occasions I can think of in Packers history where, uh, maybe three times, where an opportunity to select a player from Wisconsin was there and the Packers went a different direction. One was under Mike Sherman. They had a chance to draft Chris Chambers and ended up with Robert Ferguson. Uh, another, off the top of my head, the Packers and Ron Wolf selected Terrell Buckley, and Troy Vincent was an option. And then just a few years ago, the Packers drafted Kevin King. Uh, in fact, they traded out to the first round to draft Kevin King with the first pick of the second day of the draft, uh, and they passed on T.J. Watt, who's having a fine season, maybe a defensive player of the year uh, for the Steelers. And, and King is rounded in to, when healthy, a fine cornerback in the NFL. I don't have a great answer to that. I, I really don't know. They've ended up, of course, with the likes of Mark Tauscher, uh, Bill Ferrario was a member of the Packers, I think, drafted out of Wisconsin. And certainly Jared Aberderis had a, a, a brief stint with the Packers and then the Lions before retiring after a few years in the NFL. So it does happen on occasion. I always joke going into the draft, if you don't know who to take, just take the best player on the board from Alabama or Clemson. I just, just go that route. It'll likely work out for you at some point. Not a science, but nonetheless. 855-616-1620. Kurt joins us next from Lacrosse. You're on Packers OT. Hi, Kurt. Hey, buddy. Hey, what's um, going on? Just a just a couple of comments and a couple of questions for you. Um, I wanted to know how our newest Packers performed today. Uh, is it Anthony Rush? 
The nose tackle. And Tavon Austin was the other that you likely saw and, on the field? Yeah, I saw Tavon. I didn't get a chance to see uh, all the game, but I, I was hoping that uh, Mr. Rush would help us with our rush, no pun intended. And uh, great shout-out to our defense. It looked like we were pounding the heck out of Stafford for quite a while. Um, and then just, you know, great, great, great applause for Mr. MVS. Uh, made a heck of a catch in the end zone. Held on. Looks like, looks like he's actually going to pull it all together once again for us, maybe. Yeah, I mean, this is the show with MVS. He, he has those those pop games, and I, I thought was what was really nice about today's game is that it's it's a different sort of stat line for MVS, a different sort of stat line. What I mean by that is MVS is typically known as a deep threat, right? He will he will get deep. He'll haul in a fifty five yard touchdown, and you might see two receptions for you know eighty five yards and a score, which certainly has an impact on the game. There's no question about it. But today's stat line was so different. It was six receptions for 85 and a touchdown. And the touchdown was not beating man coverage. It, 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 was, it was a hand fight. It, it was going up and, and shielding the defender and coming down with a strong grip. Right? It was not just running by somebody. So it was a, a, a very different sort of touchdown for MVS today. And, and the 85 yards on six receptions tells me he was really effective in that 8-15 to 15 yard zone. And that's typically if Aaron Rodgers is trying to extend a play, he's looking to hit something in that window, whether it's settling into a zone or finding a, a crossing route or something along that line. And, and he found MVS a couple of times in that area. So I, I was impressed with that stat line. That That's really, to me, a sign of growth. We know he can run. Can he do all the other things that make great receivers great? Can he be on the same page as your quarterback? And, and today I thought was a pretty good sign. I, and, and next week he might have two catches for 14 yards, but it doesn't underscore what he means, I think, to the offense. He's also also a pretty good blocker. Uh, as for Tavon Austin, you saw him a little bit in the first half. Uh, they're not going to try and overwhelm him, nor should they. You have to understand, Tavon Austin has not played a down in the NFL this season until today. So, you know, throw him out there on kickoff returns and getting the jelly beans wrangling around a little bit. Maybe not the best idea. So, okay, put him back on a punt return. It uh, looked like he had a little room on that first opportunity and decided to, to go with the fair catch. Looked like he had a lot less room the second opportunity and had a modest two-yard gain. Uh, but he could be a wrinkle. You know, you could, you could see his speed on the perimeter. You know what he's capable of that way. And if it's replacing Tyler Irvin in that jet sweep area or just uh, in the flat, He's more of a receiver, I think, than Irvin is. Irvin's maybe a little bit more running back than receiver. Uh, but we've seen waiver claims have a pretty sizable impact for the Packers on occasion. Think about Andre Risen. Think about Howard Green. Pretty impressive what a waiver claim can do. Maybe Tavon Austin is next in line. Let's get to it, shall we? One final instant replay update before we get out of here. Busy day, week 14 of the NFL season. Starting in Philadelphia, game of note for Packers fans, Jalen Hurts making his first career start. The rookie facing off against the Saints team that had won nine in a row. Show your stuff, kid. They're going empty. There's Hurts. He's back. He is floating the football. It is caught. Touchdown. Touchdown. He gets it over to Alshon Jeffrey. Merrill Reese, Mike Quick with the call. 
Sports Radio 94 WIP. Hertz throws for 167 yards and rushes for 106 in a 24-21 win. The Packers win coupled with the Saints loss means Green Bay is on top of the NFC standings, the number one seed with three games to play. Entering the day, the only team in the NFC North with a shot at catching the Packers was Minnesota. Credit the Buccaneers for extinguishing those NFC North division title flames. First down and goal from the one handoff. Rojo over the top. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Like a rocket shot. Fire the cannons. That was with authority. His eye formation to get that run hook, but Ronald Jones was not going to be denied. Gene Deckerhoff, Dave Moore with the call on the Buccaneers radio network. 26-14 the final. The Buccaneers improved to 8-5. Minnesota falls to 6-7. Believe it or not, the longest winning streak in the NFC belongs to the Washington football team. Empty backfield for Mullins. Takes the snap of the gun. Fakes left. Now has to cut through. Ball is out. A fumble. Picked up by Chase Young. He's running at the 45-40. Has blockers in front of him. 25-20. 15-10-5. Touchdown. Chase Young. Touchdown, Washington. Yeah, defense fuels a 23-15 win over the 49ers. Bram Weinstein, D'Angelo Hall with a call on the team. 980 the Washington Football Network. Washington leads the NFC with a record of 6-7. and seven. Sunday night football, about a minute to go till halftime. Ben Roethlisberger just threw a pick six. Buffalo leads Pittsburgh by a score of 9-7. to seven. Bears over the Texans earlier today, 36-7 the final. It was the Cowboys hammering the Bengals by a score of 30-7. to seven. Entertaining game in Miami. The Dolphins put 17 points on the board in the fourth quarter, but it's not enough. The Chiefs improved to 12-1 with a 33-27 win. A snoozer in East Rutherford with the Cardinals beating the Giants 26-7. It was the Broncos over the Packers' next opponent, the Carolina Panthers, 32-27. 215 yards rushing for Derrick Henry and two touchdowns. The Titans beat the Jaguars 31-10. 44-27 the final in Las Vegas. The Colts beat the Raiders. The Jets are still winless. The Seahawks remain on the Packers' heels in the NFC. Seattle gets the easy win by a score of 40-3. to Chargers over the Falcons, 20-17. And on Monday Night Football, it's the Ravens facing the Cleveland Browns. Packers Radio is presented by American Family Insurance. We continue after this on the Packers Radio Network. From the 40 now, third down, Green Bay to salt it away. Third and five. Rodgers takes, fakes the handoff, bootlegs right, throws to Tunyon, right side, turns upfield, dives for the first down, and let's see if he's got it. Mike Ford made an undercut move on the tackle, and it is a first down to the 34-yard line, and a dagger for Bobby (laughs) Tunyon and the Packers. A little later dagger than usual, perhaps, but effective nonetheless. 31-24, the final. The Packers earn the win over the Detroit Lions. Through December 21st, I'm sorry, the 31st. Get no money down, no interest, and no payments for 12 months, plus $500 off qualifying orders at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. For details, visit PellaWI.com. You've got from now until the end of the year for great savings. Uh, it's time to look at the schedule, shall we? The Packers and Saints have an equal 10-3 and record, but given their head-to-head matchup from earlier this season, it's Green Bay in the top seed in the NFC with three games to play. So the Packers are going to play the Carolina Panthers on Saturday night. That's right, Saturday, December 19th, a night game at Lambeau Field. Meanwhile, the Saints will wait until Sunday afternoon to host the Kansas City Chiefs. So another tough matchup on the 
schedule here for New Orleans before the end of the season. New Orleans will finish up a home game against Minnesota and then on the road at Carolina on January 3rd. Meanwhile, the Packers, as I mentioned, Carolina at home on Saturday of next week, and then the Tennessee Titans come to town. That's a playoff-caliber team. Green Bay will close out the regular season on the road against the Chicago Bears. So in the driver's seat with three games to play, and still a couple of other teams right there in the hunt. The Rams are 9-4, so are the Seahawks. Tampa Bay hanging around at 8-5. and five. New Orleans and Green Bay ahead of the pack here with records of 10-3, and three, but that ever-so-important tiebreaker falls the way of the Green Bay Packers. Appreciate you being a part of our show each and every week. Thanks to our executive producer of the Packers Radio Network, Ashton Rotman, coordinating producer Greg Hill for being a part of the show as well. We will talk to you again Saturday evening of next week. Enjoy the rest of your night on the Packers Radio Network.